Welcome to Single Minded Conversations. I'm your host, Jesse Single. Um, I think some of you will be new because this is the first one I've done with Android capability. Very glad that that's off the ground now. This is basically a show that has mostly been me. I usually give a little spiel and then I take questions about whatever people want to talk about. It's basically like a radio call-in show. What I've been meaning to do for a while now and will be doing is having more guests on and having more structured conversations with interesting guests or at least adding that to the mix more. I've been a little bit stymied from doing that just by travel and various other responsibilities because um, it, it it's pretty time-consuming to prep for a guest and know what questions to ask and so forth. But that stuff is coming. I have specific guests in mind who I'm pretty close to locking down, and there'll be more of that soon. In the meantime, I'm just going to uh, talk a little bit, and then I'll take your questions about whatever – if you're new to this, you can jump in the queue at any time. When you're up in the queue, make sure to hit the little um, un unmute yourself. You will come in uh, by default muted. So if anyone has issues with that, we'll be able to give them some guidance. But I want to talk a little bit about the San Francisco School Board recall. Three members of the school board were recalled, and this, of course, has sparked national coverage, uh, especially because everyone is so focused on this conversation over wokeness or whatever you want to call it, over radical by some accounts social justice politics whether people are responding to stuff that is bad or whether people are just responding to a heightened um, focus on racial justice i'm sure you're familiar with all this um basically what i want to argue is that like i i think a lot of people are slotting this into a woke versus anti-woke war that it doesn't quite fit in I think things are significantly more complicated than that and that a lot of what happened in Loudoun County and Virginia, uh, Loudoun County was where a education-related backlash against liberal school board members and local education administrators became a national story and then contributed to the Democrats' uh, devastating loss of the governorship. Um, I think these two simulation situations are similar and that we should maybe examine them in a more nuanced way than um, woke versus anti-woke. One thing I, I will note that is like directly related to wokeness or whatever you want to call it is that in the case of San Francisco, the recalled school board members used identity and used politics as a way to deflect criticism and accountability. This is something you see all the time in progressive spaces these days. There's a subset of people who have gotten very good at weaponizing certain ideas so that if anyone criticizes them or their ideas – They'll be told either that they're leveling this criticism because, um, you know, of the identity of the person they're criticizing or because they're a secret fascist who hates the super enlightened ideas of the person they're criticizing. This is an addiction among some progressive types. And I, I think it's made our communities quite toxic in some cases. Um, I'm thinking of, I, I left a listserv I'd been on in its various incarnations for 15 years about a year ago because it just got so impossible to talk about everything. And it was all because of this, because of the way you use woke ideas uh, as a shield, basically. So that's true. That's a direct connection to wokeness. That being said, it's sort of hard to overestimate the psychic and political impact of school closings on parents of all political stripes. I, I'm not a parent, but I, I know from parents that this completely upended their lives in many ways for a very long time. Part of that is it just vastly altered and in some cases severely worsened their day-to-day -day existence. Suddenly their kids were in the house for seven hours a day when they wouldn't have been, or maybe 10 if you include after-school activities and the like. And when we got to the point where some schools were reopening and others weren't, 
And there wasn't really a clear account of why that was, except sort of local political pressure and in some cases unions and so on. I think that really shined a spotlight on teachers and administrators who had been previously left to just sort of do their thing to, to keep the system humming along without much interest from parents. So I think what is often the case is that parents who wouldn't usually have cared about X or Y or Z got frustrated over these like really important substantive issues and then came to see X or Y or Z as emblematic of a system that was broken and incompetent. So in Loudoun County, I bet that some of the parents who otherwise wouldn't have cared that much about like wacky diversity trainings uh, suggested by the school board and by administrators uh, or about the radical politics of those folks – once their kids were out of school and there was this major blow up over these fundamental questions of, of when they should return to school, all that stuff got much more salient. If they felt their kids were getting a good education, just going to school every day and having a, a decent time, I, I don't think this stuff would have mattered that much. But once you lose faith in the school system, you're going to notice and care about stuff you didn't care about before. Similarly, in San Francisco, I bet a lot of parents wouldn't have paid that much attention to that incredibly dumb and ill-conceived renaming spree, you know, where they're renaming, uh, not just renaming schools named after like actual white supremacists, but like Nancy Pelosi and Abraham Lincoln and stuff like that. Um, they, they wouldn't have cared that much if that was just like another news event going on at a normal time. One of the parents who led the recall effort in San Francisco, the successful recall effort, even said on a YouTube show that like he's fine with renaming some schools and so on. He he just gave the impression that this sort of proved the incompetence of these people and it just never would have been an issue if everything else had been going well. Once people are given a reason to pay close attention to who is running their local schools, they might notice stuff they wouldn't otherwise. That doesn't mean that they're sort of anti-woke in the same way you know, Chris Rufo is anti-woke or some pundits are anti-woke. I think one thing that we in the media always have trouble with is realizing that the average American just does not see things the way we do. They do not see things quite as ideologically or tribalistically as we do. And, and we always forget that because it's very hard to step out of your own head and your own bubble. This is going to come across as a little bit of a strange analogy, and I don't mean it as a direct comparison, but some of this reminded me a little bit of the difference between ignorant and informed accounts of what causes some, some young men to become jihadists. Um, the ignorant accounts hold that they're just sort of mesmerized by the sway of Islamic theology or that they're from some like violent and backwards culture that renders them susceptible to its influence. I'm not like completely denying the role of stuff like that, but usually the process is a lot more centered on terrestrial everyday concerns. You know, don't you feel humiliated? Like you don't have access to what you deserve? Like the regime is corrupt? Like the regime is mindlessly puppeting the will of the, those evil Americans, hurting everyday people in the process? Oftentimes the original grievances have little or nothing to do with like Islam versus more liberal systems. I, I know there's a million different versions of Islam. You guys know what I mean. But the problem is like, that can lead you down a path to getting into jihadism. Similarly, if you feel like your school system isn't performing its basic functions, that could lead you into a whole thing against anti-wokeism. Those are obviously not equivalent ideologies, and I'm not saying that. My point is people, people treat things as more straightforwardly ideological than they are when usually there's a root cause that sets someone down a given path or causes someone to become skeptical of some uh, local authority. So I think that was most of what I wanted to cover here um we've got a bunch of questions in the queue so i'll just uh start taking them what is up chewy hey jesse good to talk to you again um i am going to completely ignore everything you said because i have always a, a good idea yeah i like well, so except for that like i have a large unstructured bitch about your 
latest, uh, your and Katie's latest episode, which I always feel a little bit bad about because this show is not the necessarily the like talk about what Jesse and Katie's show show, but um, I don't know. You're involved with it, so I'm just going to bitch at you. Sure, um, as long as we can just keep it to stuff that like folks listening not familiar with will will basically understand. Uh, okay, well that that's difficult because I wanted to complain a little bit about the word cell versus shape rotator, and I, it seems like that may be the most complicated goddamn thing to try and talk about. Well, word um, cell versus shape rotator is just this idea that some people are word cells; they're good with like language and comparisons. And then there's shape rotators who have good sort of visual spatial skills and good at math and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thanks. Perfect. All right. Um, so I, I will. So my my biggest complaint about about this whole kerfuffle um, and sort of how you like you, you you talked about it is is just the fact that like the people like Mark Andreessen who bitch online about how oh the the reason that the word cells always win in these conversations is X Y and Z. Well, Mark Andreessen is a billionaire, and the people who are like the word cells, the people who are like good with the words, et cetera, are a bunch of journalists. Um, yeah. And like, I just, I was listening to the show and thinking to myself, oh, these poor coders making $350,000 a year, these poor billionaires like Mark Andreessen, um, you know, some of whom, not him, he himself, but others, Mark Thiessen, uh, who literally like sue a publication into non-existence, aka Gawker. Oh yes, they they never win. They never win, right? In the conversation, um, and I just when I was listening to the show, it's just like you give a lot of credence to these people who are just trying to do, as you quote, innocent shit posting, as if that's a thing. Um, well, I think, but I, I, just I think... found myself completely frustrated by this because oh, woe is these innocent coders making a you know several hundred thousand dollars a year in this conversation, never winning. Well, but there, but there's different factions here. So the there's this thing called in-group Twitter that is yeah, just yeah. these random weirdos. And a lot of the random weirdos are actually skeptical of certain elements of, of capitalism and of folks like Mark Andreessen. So to me, what was interesting about Mark Andreessen saying that the word cells always win is there is this deep, deep resentment among powerful tech people. Uh, toward mainstream journalism, which has yeah, been there like is because they're rich and they don't they're not used to being criticized. Yeah, no, I'm not saying it's legitimate. I just think it's it's obviously interesting that there's this huge divide between people at the New York Times are are of course powerful in their own way. They're not they don't have as sure. much money, and people in tech are powerful. And you have these two forces who really hate each other. And it's been interesting watching uh, the tech bro types. I think become less and less interested in interacting with mainstream outlets and, and being framed by them and, and giving up that narrative power. So I think yeah. that's part of the reason David Sachs funds this app. I think that's part of the reason some uh, startups are just launching their own newsrooms, basically, and not bothering with places like The Times. So, yeah, yeah I'm not I'm not um, endorsing that view. I just think it's interesting. Uh, sure. I, I guess I just, like, I got a little annoyed by how credulously, like, you talked about the poor shape rotators. That's what I felt. Um, I would say, like, I would suggest anybody, if they want to listen to something that pushes back against techies a lot of times is honestly listening to um to Kara Swisher and um Scott uh Galloway Galloway's podcast um yeah. I think it's just an excellent a really like it's funny they're funny they're also really smart and like Kara Swisher has been like saying fuck you to the tech bros like, yeah these tech boys for a long time I think it's just like a good I yeah I was just a little frustrated I guess by the credulity uh, with which you took the shape rotator <laughs> boys that's um, fair 
uh, 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 notes, but that's so. That's my large, unstructured bitch. Thank you, Chewy. I appreciate Thanks, it. Um, I have one more point to make, Vlad. I'm going to bring you into the queue, but just hold off for a sec. Um, my one other point is like I I am sometimes sympathetic to the tech bro complaints about media coverage. I'm thinking of around this time last year when there was this ridiculous blow up over Substack and no one could explain exactly what Substack had done wrong or what they'd done wrong that isn't done wrong by like anyone participating in capitalism and in sort of direct transactions. And yet seemingly half the mainstream outlets published these ridiculous pieces that to my mind were really just part of a trend that had nothing underpinning it. And there is a faddishness and a superficiality to a lot of uh, mainstream coverage of every hot button issue now. So I, I'm sort of caught between the two worlds in certain ways, but I, I don't think every, um, I don't think every shape rotator complaint about the word cells is unwarranted with that. What is up Vlad? Oh no, Vlad, I kicked you. Fuck, man. Vlad, if you come back, I'll jump you to the uh, start of the queue. You're sorry, and you're up for now, accidentally. <laughs> well, I'll take it anyway. Um, so, real quick, Jesse, I just wanted to to follow up on the just the bitch session generally. Like, what are you doing, like, letting the Android people in now? We have to mix with the Android people? I'm a, hey, how dare you? I, I've been running this off of a loner iPhone, um, the good folks at Call and Dave to me. So, uh yeah, I'm I'm an Android bro. Oh, I well, hate to tell you that. Unsubscribing immediately. No, I, no, I agree. We're I agree. I'm allowing a scruffier element into these rooms now. I'm not. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, the the more the merrier. I'm just uh, you know, just jealous. Um, and the other thing I just want to say is, you know, you got Matt Taibbi's on right now as well. So you're sort of forcing, at least I imagine, a, a subset of your audience to have to choose. So I just for the record, Jesse, obviously I've chosen you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I didn't know that at the time, um, but this was a good time for me to do it today. I won't. I'll try not to go to head. It's like going head to head against Seinfeld as like a network show in 1998. But um, I'll be uh, more thoughtful about that in the future. But I'm glad yeah. you came. Yeah. Well, and then just on the uh, the just a little bit on the the San Francisco board thing. I mean, you know, everybody, the media. I think you, as you pointed out, everybody wants to hype hype these things up and turn them into to you know, as if each thing is a skirmish or a battle in the, in the, in the culture war. And, and what does it mean? But honestly, I mean, isn't this just like the school board election to begin with? You, you, you only get the people who are most interested in it, right. Participating in the, in the selection. And so yeah. you get this disproportionate thing. And so now, you know, the woke have paid more attention to that stuff. And so they have now more disproportionate power in school boards and education more broadly. And then, you get this counter movement. And so, of course, like all the motivated the people who are most fired up about it are going to be people most likely to vote to recall. But then, you know, for the, for us normies, you just get this whiplash. Right. You know, I don't I don't want to ping pong back and forth between the woke and the seriously anti woke. I just want sane people in charge of things. But sane people tend not to care as much. <laughs> yeah. Although in San Francisco, there's no risk of like radically anti-woke people filling in for these three spots. But, oh, I mean, I agree completely. It's just uh, there's, you know, these political uh, science concepts of like of preference intensity and sort of focusing events where like there's a lot of elections where only the nerds participate in them. And the nerds are going to be it's like the people who participate on Twitter are different along so many axes from normies. And it, it affects Twitter. Similarly, it's very clearly the case that certain types of people run for local school board. And I, I don't know. I wish that weren't the case. I wish more people um, would get involved. 
Yeah. And it's, you get, you have the problem of, I read years and years ago, you know, somebody, I can't remember who it was, but the, the concept of rational indifference, right. Where, you know, I try to be an informed California voter, which means reading up on all the ridiculous ballot initiatives that we get every election season. And, you know, somebody pointed out, it's like, look, the marginal utility of your vote one way or another is at the limit approaching zero. It's de minimis. So why are you spending, is it rational for you to spend hours of your time that could be productively used otherwise to engage in this thing that will make virtually no material difference. And it's like, that's true. But at the same time, you know, we all have to vote. So anyway, it's people are complicated. I always come back to, I don't know if you've read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Long time ago. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But he's got a great little blurb in there about, you know, basically people who are interested in politics and wielding power are the ones who should be least, you know, who should be kept the farthest from it. Anyone who votes should be banned from voting. (laughs) Well, and then he, he he basically has three or four, uh, three or four um, little summaries. But then at the end, he's like to summarize the summary of the summary, people are a problem. (laughs) That sums it up. Uh, Thanks, Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Vlad, I'm so sorry for what I did before. I apologize. I'll try to do better. You got to unmute yourself, though. There we go. Hey, uh, thanks. Um, no problem about that. In fact, I thought it was my mistake. Um, uh, no, anyway. you were already in the queue, and I hit take ne- take next in the queue, so that booted you out. Gotcha. No sweat. Uh, yeah, thanks for taking the call. So, um, yeah, as a quick aside before my uh, topic-relevant uh, question, I will respectfully disagree with Chewy's uh, rotator versus word cell uh, perspective. Um, but, uh, I haven't listened to the podcast episode yet, so I'm not, not even sure how much I disagree. Uh, but, uh, so, uh, as, as a rotator myself, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, about the, the school board thing. So, uh, so I'm a, I'm an immigrant and, and kind of my whole family is like just different, uh, types of, of immigrants and, and kind of, uh, weird, weird minorities of, of various flavors. And I, I just to provide a little anecdote for uh, the, the discussion uh, about the school board stuff and the school closure kind of frustration. Um, I totally like agree with uh, your take about like where the frustration kind of comes from and how the uh, the the focus um, is a bit heavier, like during crisis mode when when normally it would have just been another passing bit of news. Um, and, but from kind of my extended family and, and now there's like, you know, since moving to the, to the country from uh, former USSR countries, uh, the they're starting to have kids and, 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 you know, there's, it's a, it's a range of kind of baby age to maybe like early high school age now. And I think it's, it's, it's incredible to see like just how much, and I don't have kids myself, so I just kind of hear from them just how much, um, frustration there is, um, about, about both those angles. Yeah. Um, the the kind of covid irrational like non up non intelligent optimization um of of closures with respect to the state of the virus and then the the kind of I'll just call it kind of uh so like hard social justice stuff um you know coming in through the schools the entire at least like i'll say just kind of speaking from my own experience the entire um social network of like my extended family and like their friends who also have like um, the same background and, and then kind of kids the same school age of K through 12 kids are all just like uniformly pissed off at all this stuff. Um, 
at the at the wokeness stuff, not just like the school closings. Both, but yeah. but the wokeness stuff is kind of been older because it's kind of you know that was also pre-pandemic. Yeah. Um, but particularly the combination of during pandemic, uh, and the fact that like it was like pre-pandemic there was already the wokeness stuff going on. Pandemic happens, frustration be- about school closures happens, and then, uh, and then the combination of post-summer twenty twenty pandemic mixture of the two, um, uh, it has just been like very uniform and consistent. Uh, and so you're saying just, that, that these groups in particular, for them, it is about disagreeing with the ideology that sometimes pops up uh, among like school board members. Um, or it's about yes, everything. Yes. But I think that the connection and particularly for like the post uh, Soviet diaspora communities, at least and that's kind of my guess is that um, the idea that the state can just kind of arbitrarily without your consent um like decide when it is and is not appropriate to keep kids in or out of school and when it is and is not appropriate to like totally change the moral foundations of the endeavor right um is like an incredibly um like kind of personal sting to that community in particular and and the reason i kind of wanted to bring this up is i just finished that chapter in uh john mccorder's wolf racism where he discusses like that people, you know, who are um, of Chinese uh, immigrant diaspora or post-Soviet uh, immigrant diaspora all have this, like, carry with them the idea that they came here to avoid all that kind of shit. Yeah. And the fact that it's, like, happening kind of late into their immigration, like, these are all families who kind of, like, came in, you know, during the 80s and 90s um, and have been around for, for you know, long enough to already have high school age kids here. And the fact that it's, like, they kind of enjoyed, you know, this area in the nineties and early two thousands where this wasn't an issue. And then now where it's kind of spiking is like causing a lot of like bitterness and resentment. And honestly, a lot of like half of them have like become sort of Trumpy types or, or like Trumpy adjacent types as a result of this. I think, I think that's kind of maybe the ones that are most frustrated and most shocked at it um, as like a reaction. Um, But even, even the ones who don't go that far are like just really pissed off that like they, they left the USSR um, for, for these reasons. Uh, and it's like all happening again. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and it makes sense that different, um, immigrant groups would come at this differently. Like I know at least one of the organizers of the recall is Indian and, um, his argument was just very pragmatic because, you know, he's a member of a group that's been very successful here and they see education as a path to success. So I think, I don't think they like the woke stuff and he did mention it, but I think from his point of view, it's just like, we need functional schools to teach our kids or else they'll be screwed. So, but yeah, there's definitely immigrant groups that, that um, I think are particularly attuned to certain things. I mean, Cubans are the other example. Like there's a reason so many of them are Republicans uh, rightly or wrongly, but um, anyway, that's a very useful data point and I appreciate it. Thanks, Bob. Gabby, what is up? Hello, Gabby. Jesse. Hey, how's it going? Jesse. Hey, interesting topic. Well framed as always. No difficulty choosing for me between you and your friend uh, Taibi. Not even close. Um, no <laughs> offense uh, to, to, to Matt. But uh, anyway, um, you know, you brought up root causes in kind of in passing. And, you know, you have a philosophical dimension to your, to your work. And 
that's an interesting concept to me, I think. So this might sound a little abstract, but you, you mentioned jihadis as well. I'm comfortable with these <laughs> kinds of analogies that you seem to be as well. And I like what Vlad said. My parents were survivors, so they taught us from a young age to believe that evil exists. We we're constantly told, don't be fooled by rationalistic explanations for everything. Like if there's root causes, does that mean, I'm asking you now kind of a philosophical question because you, you brought it up. And um, what does that mean? That would mean that there's a kind of rational explanation. Oh, the Nazis had a hard childhood or the jihadis. Yeah, they were humiliated. And blah, blah. Jihadism is rooted in anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism is evil. Um, and um, I think wokeism is evil. If you know academics, as you, you must, as I do, they are what I call, I call it sadoliberalism. They're sadists. They're inflicting harm in, in manipulative, vindictive ways on uh, people because they enjoy it. Um, in other words, um, there's evil in the world. And, and I wonder if you would contemplate that in contrast to the root causes idea. Paul Berman wrote about what he called rationalist naivete after 9-11 in his book, Liberalism and Terror. And he cautioned against what I'm now bringing up to you, the idea that if we just looked at it carefully enough, we'd see that we brought this on ourselves, you know, uh, that kind of line. Corey Robin writes this way, that kind of person. Um, um, what do you think? I mean, if I could throw that root cause of thing back at you, I, I don't mind disagreement. Uh, I, I, I listened to your uh, recent episode, by the way. I didn't know what you were talking about. What shape? Was it? I loved it just as much as always. I love every episode of Locked and Reported. I don't care if I understand what you're talking about, but I definitely didn't understand the last episode. But it was great. I just like listening to you and Katie talk. Don't you think that root causes is is a problematic uh, concept? Uh, no. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I I think this is. It's hard to do like a full philosophical evaluation of the concept of evil, but I think. There's like a whole field of Holocaust studies dedicated to understanding how the Holocaust was allowed to happen and the root causes of the Holocaust. And I, I think it's a false dichotomy to say that because we want to understand something's root causes, we don't see it as evil or we're excusing it. I, I just view humans as very morally elastic, and I think we can our actions can range from saintly to genocidal. And I, I'm interested in what pushes or pulls us in one direction or the other. So... I came up um, when I was becoming politically conscious, there was this, this, to me, really essentializing understanding of like the war on terror where there's this unified thing called like Islamofascism. And right. I, I found that to be such a whitewashing of a lot of complexity and how in some in some cases – America's policies had contributed to terrorism. That doesn't mean the terrorism is justified, but how can you get your own house in order and make sure you're making the world as safe as possible if you refuse to um, acknowledge the importance of root causes? Well, I'll give you another example. They say root causes when you look at, I'm sorry to come back to this one, but we're talking about Nazis and we're talking about jihad and school boards. And I, I think that's fine actually, but like, I'm sorry to bring this up, but I can't resist They'll say root causes where I'm calling you from when they come out. And I'm calling from Israel. If 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 if, if Hamas, you know, uh, rockets our cities or blows up buses, well, it's the occupation. And I know I'm muddying the waters even further now. But there's occupations all over the place. Uh, it's not necessarily a required response to a m military conflict 
that you go around killing innocent people. It can happen in the fog of war. But systematically deciding to target civilians as a policy is freaking evil, man. It's people who enjoy it. They love killing Jews, in this case, because they take pleasure in it. That's evil. Um, Yeah, but the root root causes can be – but it's not like there's one root cause. The root cause is a combination of the occupation and a fairly genocidal regime in Gaza, in Hamas. Like it's – you know, I I just – but this then stuff the root is all... causes humanity. I mean, there's always conflicts. Yeah. It's bad regimes. I, 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 I'm very skeptical of the root causes because what about the will to inflict injury for, for the pleasure of it? But that, or, but or it's not. Great. It's never. Only or a tiny ideology. subset of people just develop out of a vacuum the desire to. Uh, people's desire to inflict harm usually is caused by something. And I agree with you. You could just keep asking why, 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 and go down the root cause go. rabbit yeah. hole to like people yeah. are people to something meaningless. But I just think right. from a policy making perspective or a writing perspective, conditions I, I want to enter in. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Right. I'm going right. to think more about it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Fun talking to you. Bye. Bye. Siddhartha, what's up? Hey, Jesse. Um, Whenever Gabby talks, I feel like uh, I want to continue the conversation. Um, I'd like to connect with him sometime later, but I just get you back. You guys should message the, one another on here. Yeah, we'll do that. I'm actually very sympathetic to a lot that he's saying, so it's not it's not out of a desire to argue with him. I, I find his perspective interesting. Um, w- yeah, to get back to the school board thing and, um, and your preamble, I think uh, I feel like uh, I, I, I agree with you that there is a lot of nuance sort of missing when these conflicts are sort of uh, framed as woke, anti-woke. I think, um, I think it's more like uh, radical politics meeting real life or meeting, you know, or confronting normies. Yeah. Um, and I think that like, you know, the, the same would, I, well, I don't know exactly, but I think that, that there would be a similar sort of revulsion by the sort of like, uh, you know, uh, a, a less political general population if there was a sort of ascendant theocratic right um, yeah. that had, you know, cultural and, and, um, and state power and, and were using it, you know, to, to change, to, to, you know, to bring about uh, uh, radical policy changes. And I think that the, the sort of main, there's a sort of a layer of, mainstream uh you know opinion generation that uh that is is uh is obscuring the 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 sort of the beliefs and the and the initiatives of radical progressives and uh, and um and like so so that so that the normies don't actually understand what they are proposing an example would be like defund the police where you see like activists say like we want to defund the police we want to abolish the police and there's this sort of mainstream layer that says well that's not actually what they mean you know what they're just saying is like re re um reallocate uh budgets in a way that like you know does this or this or that or whatever and i think that that is what what ends up happening is that the the radicals are sort of protected by the uh, chattering class, um, and and I think that this would be a problem regardless of you know what shape of radicalism, um, you know, or what what side of the spectrum this radicalism emerged from. If there was this 
this layer of of mystification yeah i mean i i always i don't want to use it's complicated as a cop out oh and i should say that ben's gonna be the last caller so um i'll just have to wrap it up after ben so no one else get in the queue um i don't think i think the radical voices on on my side on the liberal or democratic or whatever you want to call it side get a lot of attention for understandable reasons some of them are legitimately successful and have dumb ideas and I've critiqued them. Uh, they're also much more likely to speed up, speak up and to like run for school board in places like places like San Francisco that get a lot of media attention because they're major cities. I still think most people are normies and I still, it tells me something again that Joe Biden so mopped the floor uh, in the primary against more, I don't think we had like radical radicals running and, and he was, Biden was too moderate for me it's undeniable that he mopped the floor and that the average median democratic voter, uh, excuse me, uh, doesn't want radicalism. So yeah, I, I agree with you that there's like a level of sane washing basically. I just learned that term. I like the term sane washing. So when the uh, boss, the police thing was going on, you just had like really credulous coverage from, from liberal news sources, including some normal ones. Cause they just like refused to, push back because like you had to be pro abolish the police for this three month window because that was like part of the reckoning it was bizarre but i think stuff like that just like critical minded coverage of the most seemingly popular ideas or fads on the left um would be a lot better because i i think that would just make for a more honest conversation and actually help us decide which direction we want the country or progressivism to go in if that makes sense yeah yeah i mean i, I well i think it's like i don't i don't need I don't personally. I don't need these uh, these uh, the, the sort of mainstream media or mainstream opinion um, to critique these ideas as much as elucidate them. Yeah. You know, there are people out there who are like, "We'll go to the mat for police abolition," and you know, and 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 they have they have influence and sway within progressive circles. So you know, let let's let's bring them forth and have them elucidate their ideas. Yeah, um, I'm OK with that. Right. I mean, is it, the thing is like not every radical idea is wrong. Right. No. And I think that that is, you know, that so that's a form of progress. Right. That we so we are, uh, you know, introduced to new ideas that seem crazy at the time, but like sometimes prove themselves out over time. But we're not actually having this discussion. Often it's pitched like the critics of of radical progressive politics or social justice politics, like just want to bring us back to the stone ages or like, you know, like want to whitewash American history. Yeah. There's not a lot of good faith discussion. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't apply to me. I'm still a critic, right? I'm still a critic of, of radical progressive. Well, this is, I mean, this is why I think the pathologization of conversation and debate is not helpful. And I, I could be wrong, but I think you see, fewer and fewer examples of like the hottest public intellectuals like actually having good faith conversations with their adversaries than you did in the past. And people just caught, get caught reciting the same catchphrases over and over and over without um, pushback. And I, I think it's just corrosive to like actual intellectual discourse. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you, Siddhartha. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jesse. Ben, what is up? Can you hear me? I can. There's like oh, a weird okay. noise in the background. If you can identify that, it's not a deal breaker. I'm, but... I'm not hearing anything. Sorry. Well, that's okay. It's on my end. Um, so, sort of a two part thing um, on the school board. Uh, I haven't read a lot of coverage on the school board outcome, but I, I did see some references on Twitter to sort of the inevitable take that this is a symptom of white supremacy and racism, right? right? 
And I wonder with that, with regard to that take, it's becoming, it seems to me, almost to the point where the actual demographic makeup of the constituency of the recall proponents and the voters and the partisan makeup even doesn't even matter. It, it, it's almost irrelevant. That takes going to come out the pipeline no matter yeah. what. And I wonder, is there is there a, a shelf life to that? I mean, doesn't it does it ever get to the point of just absurdity where people just stop running it or is it just they're going to run that take no matter what? So I, I think we're there. So, I mean, I, I didn't really I saw some random San Francisco based account say that and then everyone just dunk on it because it's so obviously ridiculous. Um I, I sort of think the tide is turning on those sorts of accusations. I could be wrong, but like it, it's just so obviously false and unfounded in this case that I um I actually haven't. Have, have you seen a lot of people saying it, or just like a few weirdos? I just saw a few references to it on Twitter. Honestly, I did not drill down. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you, you could, I, I be, could be. I could be overstating it, yeah. but I just, I just, I, I presume that it's got to be out there in in a major publication. Based yeah. On the references I saw. I mean, um, it, it, there, there is a people are promiscuous with this accusation. I'm just not sure in this case it's been um, thrown around that much. Okay. Okay. I, if I'm wrong on that, I'll take it. So then, you know, my kind of follow up to that point is, is um, um, tying back to what some others are stating in terms of this this kind of sane washing. I, I I also I mean I think that the core, the core issue here, and I think John McWhorter has really distilled this in a helpful way, is just a huge swath of the spectrum from, I think, center right over to the far left is just basically terrified of being labeled as a racist or white supremacist. And as long as that threat is implicit in any culture war issue, you're not going to have people even, you know, wanting to, to get in and state, you know, a principle, an objection, a critique of even the most radical acclaim, so long as there's some somehow, some way, a racial or identitarian valence to the uh, the issue. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I like I said, I think this is like a toxic factor in a lot of progressive spaces, and it's the accusation's been rendered meaningless because it's hurled so often and so reflexively. So I'm with you on that. Cool, thank you. Thanks, man. All right, it's not my fault. Someone else dropped out. You will be the last caller. If you can, um, there we go. I, I actually only joined because you said it was going to be Ben as the last caller. Um, I guess my only question is, uh, I guess, how familiar are you with, like, sort of the general state of, uh, you know, master's and PhD uh, research in education and sort of the political slant of it? And do you think that that's a factor with, uh, I guess, school board politics? Or is that just sort of its own style away from... Uh, school board politics. I'm not even sure if any of them have, you know, higher, higher level degrees. Yeah, I think I think Quillette did an article on this that I found interesting. My my sense is like some accusations of radicalism in academia are overstated, but like ed schools really are pretty radical. Um, but similar to how people sometimes overstate the role of journalism schools on journalists, I actually don't know how common it is to go from, you know, 
obviously a lot of ed school people become like administrators or sometimes teachers, but I'm, I'm just not sure how big a role it plays. I mean, and it's hard to say because during this period, there's been this wave of sort of pseudo-revolutionary fervor, especially in places like San Francisco. So like how much of whatever's going on do you pin on ed schools versus just the, the climate everyone's in right now? If that makes sense. Um, uh, sure. Yeah. I guess one, <laughs> one thing that I, I found amusing was uh, people were saying that um, Joe Biden's degree isn't a real doctorate, which I think is obviously false, but it does provide a sort of amusing countermeasure to the idea that Biden administration will be unwoke. You have the, uh, I guess the, the impolite way of putting it is that the the enemy is sleeping with the president, kind of. If, you're, right, if that's yeah. if that's your view of how things are, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I've heard that, but I don't know much about that. Uh, that controversy. But um, thank you for the call. Sure. Uh, all right, everyone, we're gonna wrap up there. I appreciate the um, Android folks all joining for the first time. Welcome. As I say, whenever I wrap one of these up, if you uh, enjoy this and you think it's worthwhile, please spread the word, especially spread the word now that so many more millions of people, literally millions of people could conceivably uh, follow me and subscribe and stuff. Uh, I will be back soon and I hope you guys all have a good weekend. Farewell.